The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rockio Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker. Ellie Wharton is on assignment, and she will be back next week. So we're going to go from floods and take the L out, and we're going to go to food. And a food not like you probably are aware. We're not going to talk about restaurants. We're not going to talk about recipes. We're going to talk about a grocery store on wheels that's dedicated to restoring access to healthy, affordable food in the St. Louis area food deserts. And if you didn't know that there was a food desert or food deserts in St. Louis, we're not talking about desserts. We're talking about deserts. Then you're not aware of St. Louis Metro Market. And Lucas Signorelli from St. Louis Metro Market is here. Lucas, welcome to Intune. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, we are really excited about this because I just kind of prompted you right before we went on. I said, we've had Gibran from Hosco Foods on, and you said... I said, that's my guy. <laughs> Gibran guy. is my guy. Shout Gibran. out to Gibran. Yeah, and Gibran's been going crazy with getting all the oh, farm yeah. stuff going. It's been very successful. Been following that on Facebook. And you guys are, you've been going for quite a long time now, haven't you? This is our fourth season. So, you know, we still feel like and have the spirit of a startup. Our inception was back in 2015, 2016, so we've been out on the road with this mobile market for, this is our fourth summer, doing our thing with it, so. Okay, now take us back to the initial organization of this. I don't think you were there, but you know the history of this and how it's uh, kind of moved forward over these past several years. Sure, so I think part of what's so incredible and great about the Metro market is that it was born out of the passion of college students. So it came out of university classrooms here in St. Louis, two Washington University students and one SLU uh, University student, two studying medicine, one studying business. And I believe it was in a WashU class on social entrepreneurship, uh, students were divided into groups and asked to come up with innovative solutions to a problem that was beleaguering the region. And so our founders group was focused on food and this issue of food access and the prevalence of what is commonly referred to as food deserts. It's really an American phenomenon, so it's throughout the right. country, but we're looking at you know the region here, and it's definitely an issue in St. Louis. You know They were looking at the way the city is designed and laid out, and because uh, the city uh, sprawls out and is expansive, because certain pockets are suffering from vacancy and a lack of population density, those areas can't support commerce and local business the same way that they used to. So there's not a lot of things. There's not a laundromat, you know, there's not a lot of basic services, but one of the main things is food because that's such a fundamental primal need of, of communities and of families and of people. And so, that's the issue that is facing cities like St. Louis, where you've got concentrated pockets where there's vacancy, poverty, and high crime rates. All of that sort of boils together and creates a tough situation overall, but definitely a tough situation when it comes to being able to access nutrition and healthy food and make that a part of your rhythm and a part of your life. So they're looking out, and some of the stats, I think it's like you know one in three residents of St. Louis city and county one in three lives in a food desert. Wow. That's 750,000 people. So 
that's quite a lot. That's not a small issue. So they're looking at this and they're going, how can we solve this problem? Let's look to other parts of the country, see what they are doing and try to retrofit some of those best practices into St. Louis. And they come across this really cool, unique model that's been bubbling up around the country that is mobile markets. So what that looks like is is if if there's not a food source in the community, there's not a grocery store, you put the grocery store on wheels and you take it to the people and you use that mobility to your advantage. And there's different ways to do that. Uh, you could make it as simple as having a pickup truck with a couple of cases of produce and just roll around the city and you know, pop the gate down and start selling watermelons, right? Which happens at farmer's markets. Absolutely. You know, you see that around and that's a mobile market. You see some people that use old UPS trucks, you know, kind of retrofit them, trucks hauling trailers. But what happened for us or the, the models that they were researching in other cities, the transit authority would give an old bus to a nonprofit organization and then they would turn it into a grocery store on wheels and the focus was always not just on food but health food right because you could put doritos and soda and cookies on a vehicle and take it out into a neighborhood and sell food and make money are you having an impact really on food access no like cheap calories are easy to come by in america that's not what is missing right what's missing is that 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 healthy healthy food food, the freshness yeah because we're not we don't have to go down to QT or the magic market or whatever it is that sells gas and is the fast food. No, it's not a fast food joint, but it's a place where I'm going to call it the junk food place. Yeah. And if that's the only place in the neighborhood to go to because all of your large box grocery stores have moved out of the area, residents are, are left with going to those places to shop unless they have access with transportation, which transportation is limiting a lot of times. So you're taking the grocery store to them. You're taking the farmer's market to them. That's the idea. And it's it's exciting and it's fun. How's like, that received? Oh, f- beautifully. I mean, ever since we started, I'm not exaggerating at all, but ever since we started back in 2016, we had just one location at that time. We're on the north side of St. Louis City, a little spot called The Wedge. It's where Compton, let me get this right, Compton, Page and Martin Luther King converge together. And there's a bunch of public housing right there. So there's there's some density and some visibility. So we pulled the bus up there, opened our doors and started selling food and immediately tons of business, tons of repeat business as we went back week after week. There is pent up demand in in these communities for good food. And one sort of false assumption I had going in as being, frankly, a white guy from the county who grew up in a good a good area and a higher income area, not as attuned to these issues. And I think this wasn't just me, but you know, other folks that were involved in the project to begin with were thinking, well, we're going to have to do a lot of education around healthy eating because these fruits and vegetables have been absent from the community for so long, they right. might need to be uh, reintroduced right and it turns out we were the ones getting schooled on how to eat healthy when we went in there because everyone is coming on and they're wanting greens and sweet potatoes and watermelons and okra and green beans and j- corn and whatever it is i mean that was 
such a part of the culinary history and tradition mm-hmm. on the north side of St. Louis and in a lot of the neighborhoods that we were going to. So no education required at all. It was really about us bringing that food, having the right things, showing up, being consistent, and following through on our promise. So, so when we re- said- Reverse education. Yeah, exactly. That was, and it was, a, it was a beautiful thing. And it's funny to laugh about now, but like, for instance, like when I grew up, we didn't eat greens, like collard greens, for right. instance. Like if we had greens, it was like in a salad, right? right? Some romaine or iceberg lettuce. So I was in charge of selecting all the products for the bus. And <laughs> when I was ordering our fruits and vegetables from our vendors, I didn't order any collard greens or turnip greens. I didn't know any better. So we show up with a produce bus on the north side without collard greens. Like I was schooled very quickly by some of the first old ladies that came on that bus. Like that was going to be a problem. (laughs) And like we better come back next week with some greens. So uh, that's just one small example. But part of what's cool about having a store on wheels, it's basically a one aisle grocery store. That's what it is. So that's such a small, intimate space. You get to talk to every single one of your customers right, that right. comes through. You get to hear what they're muttering under their breath or what they're saying to the people next to them. So if someone you know, has a gripe about prices or they're saying, hey, you guys don't have plums, what's up with that? Where I'm going, okay, I can immediately take note of that. I'm for sure gonna have plums next week. I'm for sure gonna have eggplants next week or whatever's being requested. So over time what ends up happening is on that on the metro market bus we've ended up curating product selection in a in a grocery store that very much reflects the preferences of the people that we serve and of the of the communities we go to and you're doing fresh produce that's in season yes i mean well yes and no so for instance the stuff that you can grow in this region which is quite a bit mm-hmm. you know tomatoes sweet corn melons, green beans, greens. That stuff we carry whenever it's seasonally available. But you know, for the bananas and the pineapples, the avocados, things like that that needs to be imported, like we always have that stuff. But from the beginning, making it a point to build relationships with local entities, local farmers, local entrepreneurs that are maybe, you know, it's not they're growing produce like Gibran, but they're making a barbecue sauce, you know, or a spice blend, you know, having as much as we can, the products on the bus reflect St. Louis and and all the different, you know, uh, businesses and entrepreneurs that are involved on the food side of things here. So you've got this Metro bus that's called? Well, so the organization's called the Metro Market, but if you see our license plate, it says turnip on it. So our thing is that is, it was always envisioned, we envisioned we'd have a fleet of these buses out. So what do you name them? Well, we say we'll have turn up one, turn up two, turn up three, and, and so on. So that first bus, we call it turn up one, or uh, Elvira is, Elvi- also, is it, also her nickname. It's this, it's this <laughs> Metro bus that's wrapped in plants, a green, green plant. Looks like it's a big, big green plant driving down the street. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay, so you can go, you know, Google image search St. Louis Metro Market. You can see a picture of the bus. And want to give a shout out to a couple of the people that were involved in the creation and actually building of the vehicle. So you've got the person who did the graphics, Noah McMillan. He was a Washington University graduate, excellent artist. And 
our feeling was we wanted this bus to pop, like visually. It, it pops visually. Yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous. And conveying, you know, through the aesthetic mm-hmm. um, and through some of the messaging that's on the bus, you know, food is medicine. Mm-hmm. Eat to live. Food for all. Just like putting out that positivity. Mm-hmm. And then on the inside, Dave Stavron and his partner, Eric Mitchell, they're amazing fabricators, carpenters, welders. These guys do it all. At the time, they were running a design build outfit called Shellback Ironworks. They came in, they custom designed and built everything on that bus. I'm talking about, you know, custom welded produce racks, Missouri barnwood shelves, hardwood floors, you know, so much love and care went into the design of this bus because no disrespect at all to our colleagues in other cities who run mobile markets, but if you want to go the budget route, you can just keep the floors that are in the bus and just put up some white, cheap metal rack shelving and throw some produce bins on there and call it a day. But we felt like it was worth it on the front end to invest the funds and the time and the expertise to make it just like beautiful and like a, a dignified shopping experience and luxurious shopping experience for people. You know what it reminds me of a little bit is like if you took Soulard Market and if you've ever been down to Soulard Market and you shrink it in and you lower the roof and you put a wooden floor in, now you've got the bus. Yeah. That's That's the idea. What it reminds me of. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's funny you say that because a lot of our customers will say, you guys are like Soulard on wheels, you know? That's right. You're like Soulard that comes to, to us. And if you think about it, if you're living in North City or North County, Soulard's hard to get to. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? This geographically inconvenient. There is Ferguson Farmer's Market in North County, mm-hmm. but there's no... And also there is, you know, the North... I think it's the Old North Farmer's Market in North City. But Soulard and Tower Grove are some probably the biggest farmer's markets in the city, and those are both South. Right. So I think what our customers are telling us is and not just in relation to Soulard, but to other grocery stores. They're saying, hey, you're saving us a trip. And that's what it's about. That's what's great about the mobile market. It's the convenience of when the service comes to you, when the food comes to you. So do you have schedules of where you're going to go and people can go, okay, well, they're going to be here next week or you're there every week at certain places? How does that work? Yeah, great question. So over time, we, we refined this and First thing, what we learned is you have to be consistent. You know, the mission is to improve the availability and access to good food. And the easiest way to do that is to be consistent. So what that means for us is with that bus, the neighborhoods we go to, we're in that neighborhood in the same spot at the same time every single week for the duration of our season, which runs from May through Thanksgiving. So we can go in on June 1st and say, hey, we're going to be at the Ferguson Community Empowerment Center every Friday evening from 4.30 to 6.30 until Thanksgiving. So that allows people to click it in that are living close by or working close by. Okay, I can build this into my routine and my rhythm and I'm gonna come here and I'm gonna know that the bus is gonna be here every Friday. And you made this point earlier about if the gas station is the closest thing, people are going to go there. right? And that's just, we're creatures of habit. Like you shop where you shop, you eat where you eat, and you just build it into your your routine and your rhythm. Well, now if we can insert ourselves into people's rhythms Mm -hmm. and provide an alternative or something that's even closer, now that's actually real impact. 
especially if it's healthy. Yes, absolutely. And it tastes, and it tastes good. Absolutely. And it has uh, <laughs> lower lower calories and and is much better for you. Yeah, more nutrients. Yeah, you don't get a lot of nutrients out of uh, Twinkies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or fried Twinkies. Yeah, every once in a while it's fine, but you know. <laughs> yeah, not on a daily basis. Yeah, you got to balance that out. So I, I wanted to read this. You mentioned this. It says, according to the Missouri Coalition for the Environment, over 700,000 people across the Metro St. Louis region are low income and do not have access to fresh food within a half mile of home. And one of your busiest stops is the Lewis and Clark Library Branch, which you visit, and more than 3,500 people were fed by 8,500 pounds of fresh food sold at the branch in 2018. What a great place to go to the library. You know, you you also can encourage people to go in and maybe check out books to read or things like that. I mean, there's always people at that library. It's amazing. I mean, it's it's a bit. If you don't know this facility, it's right off Highway 367, right at the intersection of Chambers. It's a pretty new building, and it's just gorgeous. There's always people there. There's a lot of kids there. You know, we're there in the afternoon from. Don't let me get this wrong. It's 2:30 to 4:30 on. Uh, Thursdays, and you know the kiddos are getting off from school and going to the library, or it's summertime and they're bored, so they're going up to the library. And you know people are in there applying for jobs. You mm-hmm. know maybe you're retired and you're just chilling, reading the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, parents coming to pick kids up. So there's constantly traffic there. And again, it's that idea of convenience and saving a trip. So I was going to the library anyway. Now I can pick up fresh food. I was going to the health clinic. Anyway, now I can pick up fresh fruit. I was going to pick up my kid from school. Now I can pick up fresh fruit. And those are all examples of places that we bring that bus. Yeah, because you're, you're a 501c3, not-for-profit, yeah. mobile farmer's market, whose goal is to restore access to healthy, affordable food to St. Louis City food deserts. And you bring you bridge the physical, financial, and educational barriers in food deserts by supplying healthy foods in low-income, high-need communities. I guess a question I have is, so when people, do they line up to get on there? You're not going to let everybody on at the same time because it's a limited space. Sure. So do people have a certain amount of time that they can shop? Or you know, I know you want to develop relationships with people, so you know you may be talking to people longer than you want to because you got this line outside. <laughs> so how, do, how does that play out? It, it's a beautiful chaos. <laughs> it <laughs> organized is, chaos. It is organized chaos. It it can be crazy. And it, it used to not be a problem because, like I said, we always got supported. But to put it in terms of numbers, like when we first started, you'd get about 20 people an hour coming through. Now at our busiest stops, it's 40 to 50 people an hour. Oh, my gosh. So the business has more than doubled. So... Say at the Lewis and Clark Library stop, we pull up, there's a crowd of people waiting on us. So, you know, I think it, it just kind of, it takes care of itself. It ends up being 10 or 15 people, you know, inside the bus. Maybe there's a slight line outside, but I'll tell you what, we have made, I don't know how many stops, hundreds. We've been out for thousands of hours. We've been all over this city, top to bottom, city and county, north and south. We just never had any problems. You know, people are so kind they're appreciative they're respectful of the space they're respectful of our staff and we send that love right back and uh somehow it it just takes care of itself you know and and it ends up working out but you mentioned something earlier i wanted to key in on and that was about the part of our mission statement that relates to affordability Mm -hmm. so 
healthy food is very important, but if it's too expensive, then you still can't access it. Right, if you haven't low. done anything. No, exactly. So that's a key part of our model and the reason why we're a nonprofit organization. So we heavily, heavily subsidize the cost of this food. So it is either going to be, I would say an equivalent would be like an Aldi's. Mm -hmm. It's either going to be at what Aldi's charges and in many cases, far below what they charge. And we also have sponsors that, and this is a shout out to Missouri Care. They're an insurance company here in the state and they're a sponsor of the Metro Market Bus. So sometimes they'll come in They'll do a special event and they'll say every shopper gets $10 off their produce for the day. Wow. And what a great surprise that is. Like imagine if you're checking out at the grocery store and they'd say, hey, how about 10 bucks off your order? Right. I mean, that's fantastic. And especially if you're trying to make dollar stretch, you know, that is really, really heartfelt. So I think we're out to not only provide healthy food, but save people money on their produce. And that's why we get subsidies and funds from all of our great funders and great donors that support and invest in this work. I'm talking about the American Heart Association. I'm talking about Bayer Fund. I'm talking about Affinia Healthcare, People's uh, Community Action Corporation. I hope I'm not missing anybody, but these are people that are providing us the resources to do this work and to make sure the food is affordable for people that are coming out to shop with us. And is uh, EBT accepted by you guys? Yeah, great question. So EBT or food stamps, we do accept at the register. And then there's this other incentive program we stack on top of that. It's called Double Bucks. So this is a program that's administered at a, uh, a state level, and it provides a dollar-for-dollar dollar match on fruits and vegetables purchased for EBT uh, with your EBT dollars. Wow. So that means you're saving 50, if you're an EBT shopper, you're saving 50% on your grocery bill for fruits and vegetables. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. I was gonna say that's crazy, you beat me. <laughs> <laughs> now say that again. Yeah, so Double Bucks gives you a dollar for dollar match on produce purchased on your EBT card. And that's sponsored by? It's sponsored by, in the state of Missouri, it's sponsored by the Fair Food Network. Okay. Uh, it's funded by the USDA and the Missouri Foundation for Health. And certain grocery stores are allowed to do it. We're one of the few that's left that still accepts double up food bucks. So it is a huge hit with our customers Absolutely. for obvious reasons. Again, back to that point of saving people money. It's one of those things where if people don't know about the program and they come on and they realize that they're going to they're about to save 15 bucks on their bill, people just start dancing. Absolutely. And like like literally on the spot like shrieking with joy. No wonder you're developing great relationships with people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you're helping them save a whole bunch of money Absolutely. and they'll say, "Well, when are you coming back next so I mm -hmm. can do this again?" Mm -hmm. No, we're talking to Lucas Signorelli from the St. Louis Metro Market, a Market on Wheels, an old Metro bus. I was wondering, maybe you guys should get one of those double buses that goes up and down Grand <laughs> and uh, outfit that one. Maybe that could be a turnip two or turnip two and a half or uh, something like oh, that. Yes, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, you better believe we're, we got our eye on one of those accordion buses. That, We've that, also joked about like the British like double decker buses. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Buses. So that'd be, if anyone's got one in, in the listening audience, let so, us know. So we're going to come back after the break and talk about Lucas's background and how he got involved with this, but we've got a couple other questions that have arisen, some some challenges. We, we've kind of 
alluded to a couple of those, what, what some of those are, and where, where he sees the mission of the St. Louis metro market going in five years, in 10 years. And are there some other organizations that are maybe wanting to do some similar things, but they don't want to be copycats, but maybe yeah. they would be, come alongside and be, be a support in that way. So those are some things we're going to talk about when we come back from the break. So hopefully you're finding this conversation interesting. I, you know, you can't miss that big green bus driving around, especially up in, if you're up in that food desert area. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker. Ellie Wharton is on assignment. We've been talking to Lucas Signorelli from St. Louis Metro Market. And what a great, what a, a, a great mission you guys have. This is just unbelievable. You know, when you, you see and you hear situations, not only in our community or city or state or nation, and you see what's being done, and many people will say, well, government needs to do this. Or, you know, what I have found in the many groups that we've talked to on the air is people find the personal initiative and they solve the issue or, or try to solve part of the problem. They try to be a solution for people. And I really see that as what you guys at St. Louis Metro Market are doing. You're not waiting for somebody to say, well, I've gotten all this money now from the government. I you guys went, you had this vision, you started to do this, and then people got on board because of what you were doing. Yeah. And they're supporting you along the way. And matter of fact, part of your plan is to sell corporate memberships, which you've done, to mobile farmers markets and that way groceries can be sold at market price rather than sold at just below cost. And I was kind of surprised you also do, you have fish, and let me get my notes, my page turned here, meat besides fresh produce. We, we had talked about fresh produce, but we didn't talk about fish or meat or anything like that. Yeah. That's you know, crazy. You know, it's a couple things there. I mean, as far as the... Um as far as like getting out there and, and doing something about what you see wrong in your community or as an injustice or something you want to fix, I love that point. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Colin Dowling. He was one of the founders and we had three co-founders. All of them were very involved at various points, but Colin has been this consistent rock and he was a WashU student and he tells the story about how many years it took for this idea to be accepted and funded. And I think from when they took that class and came up with the concept, I think it was 2012. And they did not receive funding until 2015. Wow. So it was three years of getting turned down, you know, dedicating all this time to failed grant applications, mm -hmm. getting rejected at pitch competitions for funding, and all this while they've got, you know, their students and have full time jobs on the side and one of the big takeaways for me through that is just like the grit and resilience you need in order to start something new and, yeah, and start something from the ground up and so it's on on that foundation of hard work and dedication and belief that this was a problem we're solving and that this is a solution that was ideal you know that is what got us to the point that we are at today and in terms of the fact that we carry all these different products, it's like, okay, you know, we started with mainly produce and that still is 75% of what we sell, which I just think is awesome. Yeah. I love that people come to us and use the bus for their fruits and their vegetables, 
but they're there purchasing food. Why not also provide other staples that people need? Mm -hmm. So we do carry meat. We do carry some snacks. We carry cold drinks. We carry eggs. We carry lunch meat. I'm missing stuff, you know, honey, jams and jellies, peanut butter, rice, grits, just different things. And and that stuff, again, it only ultimately accounts for 25% of the rest of what we sell. But I think people appreciate it. And they're, they're delighted to see that like, wow, look at all that can fit on this bus. I mean, we have a freezer on that bus wow. for our meat. I mean... That just that is logistically is was hard to create, but now that it's there, it's something again that I think people really appreciate. So we're trying to bring as much value mm-hmm. as we can to the customer when they're shopping, and a huge part of that has been figuring out how do you max out that space, fit as much food on there mm-hmm. as you can, so that you can build people's baskets to mm-hmm. use a grocery uh, lingo. Mm-hmm. So how did you get involved with all this? Yeah, so... This isn't your background, being a, a grocer or... No, no, not quite. You, you didn't stock uh, shelves at some of the local grocery stores, did you? No, no those weren't my haunts uh, growing <laughs> up. Uh, I was just, I was kind of like, I guess, like a normal suburban kid. I grew up in Olivet and went to Ledoux High School. And I'd never taken an interest at all in like gardening or growing food or like my my family used to always make fun of me because I was the kid that like never ate salad or anything uh green you know it's like pizza and pop tarts and <laughs> soda and uh you know all that kind of stuff so I just didn't I didn't care you're a doctor's dream yeah I, I was a mess <laughs> is what I was so I, I went to college at Truman State and Truman's an interesting place because it's rural. You know, it's in Kirksville, town of 15,000, surrounded by a lot of farmland. A lot of my friends up there, they really got into kind of this, this like philosophy and this lifestyle that's behind growing your own food and what it means to source your food from people you know mm-hmm. and trust. And I, mean, I just, I was drawn to that. Like I was drawn to my friends that were doing that. I wanted to go. Some of them were living on farms. I wanted to go visit them. You know, some of them were starting gardens. I wanted to be there. I didn't quite know why, but it was coming from deep inside of me. I was drawn to it. And now meantime, I'm studying economics and that was fine, but I was never super into it. It was just kind of a means to an end of getting through school, got out of school, got a job in the personal finance industry in St. Louis and great company great opportunity, but I knew going in that it wasn't for me. I just had a resistance to it. I wanted to do something different. And I think what it was, was I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know that at the end of the day, the work I was doing was resulting in like positive impact for my community. And the job I had was great, but it wasn't satisfying that Mm -hmm. desire. And so I was looking for something different and one of my good friends, now a brother-in-law, he was working at a farm in Kansas City. And it wasn't any old farm. It was actually located on site at a, a foster care facility, right? So what you've got is a 50-acre farm with about 50 foster kids living there. Wow. Ages 1 to 20. Wow. And this, this farm was being revived. It had been dormant for a while. So we were going to start growing vegetables there having animals, engaging the kids in that Mm -hmm. work for jobs training to give them nature therapy. Mm -hmm. And then we were going to start a farm stand 
to sell that food on the side of the road so we could generate revenue for the nonprofit. So my buddy is starting this program. He's getting his head around a 50-acre farm, and you know he's by himself, and it's obviously a ton of work. So he's like, hey, I need a farmhand. There's something in the budget. Like, I know you've got this uh, good, cushy corporate gig, but would you be willing to basically cut your pay in, in half and come out and join me in the field? I was like... Oh man, like this is what I've been looking for. You know, this is exactly wow, cool. uh, uh, what I want to do. Again, I'd never grown anything in my life, but it was just an uh, instinctual knowing of like, I need to try something different. I need to follow this desire. And so I completely flipped the script. And, you know, one week I was working in a cube and wearing a suit. And the next week I was outside on a farm learning how to grow food. And so that is a journey that I'm still on. But I, I was working in that line of work doing organic vegetable growing for three years. Mm-hmm. And I just am so happy that was a part of my life in my 20s because I feel like I learned about health and I learned about eating and cooking mm-hmm. from the ground up, you know. And I think that's um, it was an amazing privilege to have that. And so that gave me and, – and also, meanwhile, while I'm living on this farm, you know, I'm reading books about – again, this philosophy of growing food and how, you know, when you have rich soil, that provides rich nutrients in the food that you eat. And when you don't spray chemicals on your food, Mm -hmm. that makes it less toxic and more clean. And just getting into all that and realizing, wow, like when I eat fresh food from the garden, I feel... Feel better. Better. Your head's clear. Yeah. And that is real. It is. And once you experience it, you can't go back. That's right. So... um. I haven't gone back, and I, I've made it a key part of my life to um, to to grow my own food and to eat what I call close to the source, you know. So just as close to the earth, as to the earth as I can, as close to the people that um, that grow my food as I, I can, and that's just something I implemented personally. So I've got this going on with with food and growing food on the one hand, but also it's long summers backbreaking work, not great pay. I'm going, man, I don't know if I'm meant to be a farmer per se, you know. The rest of your life. The rest of my life. Like, I I, I love the people that do that, but that just wasn't my calling. Right. So I started to realize that. Now, in the meantime, I'm a St. Louis guy, born and raised here. I love this city. And my mom's family was actually raised in North St. Louis City. So when I grew up, when I was a kid, my mom, I'd hop in the car with my mom and she'd drive me to her old parish on the north side and show me the streets that she grew up on. It was like such this weird, kind of sad thing. Also joyful, but kind of like, wow, you know, you're driving these streets and these are the streets that she grew up on and had all these positive memories on and now they're just abandoned. So as a kid, you know, who lives in the county, you're wondering like, whoa, what's going on here? Why is it this way? And I, I think for me, I always just still had love for like that part of town. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to understand what was going on there. And I mm-hmm. wanted to understand why it was one way when my mom and her family were growing up there and why it's another way now. Mm-hmm. And so on the side, I'm reading books about the history of St. Louis and the development history mm-hmm. and everything that's conspired to, to create the conditions that have resulted in what North St. Louis is today. So right. we don't need to go into all that too much further, but just kind of like I'm interested in both of these things at the same time. And then out of the blue, uh, Colin sends me a Facebook message. I never met this guy. He's the founder of the Metro Market. He says, hey, heard about you. Um, 
we've got this really cool project that we're starting up. It's called the Metro Market. Uh, we got a job opening. If you're interested, let me know. And I was like, huh, I'll check that out. And at the time, I was living in the Benton Park neighborhood. Actually, I still am living in the Benton Park neighborhood off Cherokee Street. And the fabrication studio where they're building the bus was four blocks from my house. Hmm. So I walked down the street one day and I met Colin. It was hot as heck. It was August and they were uh, gutting out this bus. So that was the first time I saw the bus. It was being... It was a gutted turnip. It was a, gu- it was a gutted <laughs> turnip. Uh, a beautiful sight to behold somehow. Um, and these guys were getting after it. I mean, they were they were starting to build this out. Um and Colin's telling me about the project. And, you know, it's obviously such a cool project. I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm in. I'm all in. No question. You know, and coincidentally, the first site they had funding to go to was this site in North City in the exact neighborhood my mom grew up in. Oh, coincidence. So I'm like, man, you know, this is crazy. It feels right in every single way. And so what, what I was, you know, the founders, they put together the plan. They got the dollars and they started building the bus, and then I was hired as the first employee. So it was my job to execute the plan that they created along with the original driver of the Metro Market bus, Lorraine Van. Uh, shout out to Lorraine. Uh, Serena Williams was involved that first year too. So there's a lot of people who've always been involved in this initiative. We were kind of like out there year one you know, just figuring out how the heck you do this. You know, we had, you know, I had some experience selling food at farmer's markets Mm -hmm. and different things, but like grocery retail was new for me. The bus was new for all of us. And, you know, in retrospect, you're just looking back at all the mistakes you made and how hard you made it on yourself, you know, just being inefficient with your operations and How'd you get publicity out at initially? How did you do that? Did you reach out to the libraries or to churches or neighborhood groups and say, hey, we're going to be at this, or do you just pull up to the corner at, at Goodfellow and MLK and yeah. Park and just kind of wait for people to show up? Like, what are you? What's this big green thing out here? You know? Such a good question, right? Because otherwise, yeah, if you just showed up, there'd be no context. Like, okay, this this bus just pulled up in my neighborhood. Yeah. What the heck is going on? So what we did at first, like when we had no reputation, no one knew who we were, is we would go in and just start talking to people in the neighborhood. So, and really try to establish a partnership with a flagship entity in the neighborhood. So Mm -hmm. that first year it was the Renaissance Place Apartments. Okay. I don't know if there's a couple hundred, maybe a thousand residents up there. It's it's uh, managed by Urban Strategies and McCormick Baron Salazar. So they had staff, they had resources Mm -hmm. and they had all these residents. So going in there, literally just meeting and talking with people letting them know the bus is coming, asking them what the issues are that they are dealing with as it relates to food and getting to food and getting the community's blessing, if you will. Right. Going to the ward meetings, talking to the aldermen. There you go. Um, knocking on doors, you know, literally going out to canvas neighborhoods. So that was the approach we took. And then it's gotten progressively easier because the news will come out and cover us. You know, we had Bill Clinton when he came right. to St. Louis. I saw that. He came and shopped on the bus. So that obviously brings all this great attention to it. And now, because we've been out here for four years, the word of mouth has spread so much around mm-hmm. town. People know about the bus. And then as far as marketing and promoting where the Metro Market bus is going to be, it's easier when you park at a library. Or when you park at a health clinic, because 
They've got built-in foot traffic and clientele, and they've got an email list they can blast out to and a Facebook page and stuff. So that's made it easier. But in the beginning, it was super grassroots. That's interesting. That's interesting. So where do you expect to be? What are some goals? Where's the St. Louis metro market headed? I'm not saying turn up one, but where's the organization headed? Yeah. Well... Our business this year is up 100% from mm. last year. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been amazing. And so our capacity is, how we feel is we are at capacity with our current setup, with our one bus. You know, mm-hmm. we're out as much as we can be, which is four days out of the week. Logistically, that's that's what we can do. You know, two stops per day, so we're making eight stops each week, and we're getting slammed at all of our stops. and. Our crew is maxed out in terms of the number of hours per week we're working. So we're going, okay, this is working. It's succeeding. We're at capacity. And like I said earlier, demand for fresh food on the north side is through the roof. Mm-hmm. So we feel compelled to expand. You know, that is what we feel like all of the feedback is telling us, what our customers are telling us, what the numbers are telling us, what mm-hmm. our mission is telling us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you get into the exciting and interesting question of how do you do that? Right. So you could go to Turnip 2, which would be a second bus. But we've been testing this model for four years now, and there are great strengths to the bus, but there are also weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Our bus has 650,000 miles on it. Mm. It was in the shop yesterday, Mm. unfortunately, because we had a breakdown. Now she's back out on the road today, but it's an old vehicle. It's big. It's expensive to run and to staff. So okay, what else could we do? We could go smaller, right? Maybe you get a smaller vehicle, more of like a cargo van that's more agile, that can get into some of the cracks and crevices and places that the bus can't. Mm -hmm. Maybe we start some corner stores, some brick and mortar locations. Mm -hmm. Maybe we start some produce stands. Think about like a a Soulard market or a Kirkwood farmer's market. Why Mm -hmm. couldn't we do something like that somewhere on the north side so Mm -hmm. we're looking at the spectrum of options and i think it's going to be you know our team and our board is going to come together this fall and Mm -hmm. we're going to sit down and we're going to map out like what are our various options what are our strategies for growth and just try to be very deliberate Mm -hmm. about that and come up with a proposal and go and take it to some of our amazing funders and see Mm -hmm. hey is anyone willing to take uh this to the next level because Mm -hmm. We've got something here, you know. We've Absolutely. got a huge following of customers. We have a model that works. We have a team of amazing, hardworking people that love this work and know how to do it. So, all I think everything is in place for an expansion. I think we've we've basically been piloting a model for the past three years that has worked. Mm-hmm. And so now that we know that, it's time to scale it up, and that's going to be the next step for us. So you guys are closed from essentially Thanksgiving to May, right? Yes. So what do people do? Yeah, that's a hard question. Is that part of this change of of model that you see going forward that it provides during the winter months, it still provides some kind of produce and fish and meat and yeah. fruit and things like that? Absolutely. You know, it's a weakness of our model right now is that we're closed half the year. Why are we closed half the year? When you're running a mobile setup and it's freezing cold out and there's ice on the ground, it causes problems. It's more hazardous. There's less foot traffic. Mm-hmm. Diesel engines don't like that, so it mm-hmm. makes mechanics uh, a whole uh, more complex situation. And also, just to be real, it's 
it's really physically demanding work. And I think how all of our crew feels is that if we had to do the mobile side of things every single week, all year long, we couldn't, we couldn't make it just, we'd burn out. And are the people who work, are they volunteers? Are they paid staff or what, what are they? Paid staff. We're, we are mobile market professionals. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are, I, what I would say is we are, we're retail and grocery athletes. You know, <laughs> we are out there, you know, I probably stink here in the studio. I was out loading the bus uh, this morning. So I, you know, probably smell like produce cases and uh, sweat because that's what it, that's what it takes uh, to do the mobile market side of things. So if let's say we had a, a produce stand or a, a brick and mortar corner store and we could figure out a way to operate that in a way that's more efficient financially, we can make our dollar stretch further because that's the other thing. Right now, we can't, we don't have the budget to be open year round. Mm-hmm. But if our dollars could stretch further and we could change our model slightly, maybe we could be because the, mm-hmm. the need for food never stops. So I like, I like that you asked that question. That was astute, and that's something we struggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, give us one final word to encourage people to get out there and try to help solve some of these issues in our community. Yeah, I think it's about uh, it's about listening. You know, it's about listening to to what the needs of people are, and it's about listening to what your heart is telling you. You know, because all of us are drawn to different things. I happen to be drawn to food, but mm-hmm. people are drawn to all different elements. So if there's a if there's a passion, if there's a, an interest that you know is there for you, then I say just follow that and mm-hmm. follow that until the very the very end. Very interesting. Folks, you need to check out St. Louis Metro Market, stlmetromarket.com. You guys have a Facebook page too, right? We do. So we're active on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to see some great images and videos that are coming from the streets of St. Louis on the Metro Market bus, STL Metro Market on both Facebook and Instagram. Lucas Ignorelli, thank you very much for coming in today.